بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده تعالى ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so continuing with our study of Al-Arba'oon Lil-Imam Al-Nawi with the explanation of Shaykh Abdul Muhsin Abbad we have reached Al-Hadith Al-Thamin, the 8th Hadith and um, this narration is the narration where the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he said, Umirtu an uqatil al-nas I have been commanded to fight the people until they bear witness that there is no God deserving worship except Allah that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and that they establish a salah and that they pay a zakah so if they do that, then they will have a guarantee of protection from me concerning their blood, and concerning their wealth, except by the right of Islam, and their accounting is with Allah, the Most High. So we said last week that it, was, that it is important for us to clarify and for us to uh, explain that this here, when the messenger is saying, I have been commanded to fight the people, is not meant to be interpreted as and how the extremists from the Irhabiyin, the Khawarij, interpret it to be, or likewise how the, yani the extremists from the right-wing uh, is professional Islam haters, like the EDL and so on and so forth, how they try to interpret these narrations to be. They know these narrations. And they will throw these narrations at you. Especially in the time that we're living in and the current climate and the shubahat that are being thrown at Islam. A person, he needs to know what is the meaning of this. What is the context of this. On an occasion, a Christian woman, a Christian woman came to me and she said to me, did not your prophet say, she says in English, Christian woman, non-Arab. She goes, did not your prophet say, umirtu an uqatil nas She read the Arabic, she said it in Arabic. Christian woman who said to me, did not your prophet say, umirtu an uqatil nas This is hadith in Arabic. So obviously if a person doesn't have a good understanding concerning this, then... Yani, then obviously this is not something that is a praiseworthy thing. He needs to have understanding of this, because of, especially because of the current climate that we live in, whereby shubahat concerning uh, Islam being a barbaric faith that uh, yani kills innocent people is being spread left, right and center. So who can, who can remember what was mentioned concerning this? What's the explanation to this? The messenger says, I've been ordered to fight the people. So somebody comes along and he says to you, oh listen, look, your religion, it's a barbaric religion. 
you have been ordered, your messenger has been ordered to kill people, to kill people, innocent people, men, women, children, to kill them unless they become Muslim. This is, and then the person cites this narration. So what's the answer to that? Who can remember? Something from what was mentioned last week. Adam. Yeah, musharaka, yeah. So the verb is umirtu an uqatil. Uqatil. The messenger said, I have been ordered to uqatil an nas. Okay? He didn't say, I have been ordered to an aqtul an nas. I've been ordered to make muqatila. Muqatila means fighting those, fighting someone, and they're fighting you as well. So it goes both ways. That is a participation happening from both sides. As opposed to saying, umirtu an aqtulan nas. If the messenger said, umirtu an aqtulan nas, I've been ordered to aqtul the people, this means I've been ordered to kill the people. And the messenger didn't say that. He said, I've been ordered to fight. So therefore the command is in relation to those that are fighting you. And then there was an ayah that we mentioned from Surah Al-Baqarah, ayah 190. Does anybody remember? وَقَاتِلُوا فِي آه يَا Ibn Faisal Those that are fighting you. And do not, and do not transgress indeed. Allah does not love those who transgress. Ayah from Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 190. Fight, make muqatala in the path of Allah. Those that are fighting you. And do not transgress. Indeed, Allah doesn't love those who transgress. Click at Ayah. That you have been commanded to fight those that are fighting you. So therefore, it is not to be understood that the Islamic faith from its uh, laws is that the Muslims are meant to go and kill men, women, children who do not want to embrace Islam. This is not the manhaj that has been laid down in the Quran and the Sunnah. Those who make accusations of those who make these type of accusations, they themselves are guilty of it. Our religion isn't like the religion that was uh, how the Europeans, for example, how they tried to spread their Christianity, how they would invade other lands in the, in the name of Christianity and butcher people, left, right and center, in the name of Christianity. Our religion isn't like that. Do not accuse us of what you, are, of what you yourselves are guilty of. The, uh, uh, when the crusaders invaded Bayt al-Maqdis. Prior to that, when the Muslims came to Bayt al-Maqdis under the Khilafah of Umar ibn Khattab then the Christians, when they saw the justice of uh, the Khalifa, Amir al-Mu'minin, Umar ibn Khattab, they welcomed the Muslims to come there because the Muslims judged them and they ruled over them with justice. Then centuries later, when the crusaders came, into the same place, Beit al-Maqdis, Jerusalem. What did they do when they entered into Jerusalem? They killed all of, they killed everybody without any, without any mercy. The streets of Jerusalem were filled with blood, flowing with blood. Men, women, children butchered. So it was about, and, and they did so in the name of Christianity. 
Compare that then. Compare that to what happened a hundred or so years later. When Salahuddin al-Ayyubi came back into Jerusalem to liberate Jerusalem from the hands of the Crusaders, what happened? Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, he did not butcher them like they butchered them, but rather he gave them free pass to leave Jerusalem safely and securely. To such an extent that even now, today, the non-Muslims, the Christians, they admit to the fact that the way that Salah al al-Ayyubi dealt with them was indeed a noble and يعني, a generous act of, of, of goodness to them. So our religion isn't like theirs, or our religion, the way that we practice it, based upon Quran and Sunnah, isn't like theirs of spreading the religion by killing anyone that doesn't believe in it, left, right and center. That isn't our faith. And therefore they have no leg to stand on to accuse us, to accuse us of such accusations. طيب. So then we said that this uh, narration, Shaykh Abdul Mahsin Abbas' explanation to it is divided into six parts. Part number one is the fact that the messenger says, Umirtu, I have been ordered. When the messenger says, I have been ordered, then who is the one that is ordering him? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When the companions say, we were ordered, then who is the one that is ordering the companions? The messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. That is part number one. Part number two. This narration, as you can see, from Ibn Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhumah, in it, there is an explicit mentioning of the fact that the messenger has been ordered to fight those uh, 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 to, to, to fight until the shahada is professed, to fight until the salah is established, and to fight until the zakah is given. So in this narration, there is an explicit mentioning of a salah and a zakah. Now when a ridda occurred, when the apostasy occurred in the time of when the Arab tribes, certain, يعني, many Arab tribes, after the death of the Messenger والسلام, they started to apostate, leave Islam. Who was the Khalifa then? Abu Bakr So this occurred in the Khilafah of Abu Bakr. And there were, there were a people that started to withhold from giving zakah. So when this happened, Abu Bakr, he made firm resolve to fight these people. Firm resolve to fight these people. Even though this particular narration with this particular wording hadn't reached Abu Bakr. Abu Bakr anhu, he didn't, he wasn't aware of this particular narration where the messenger says, I've been ordered to fight the people until until they establish the prayer and pay the zakah. The additional wording that's contained in the report of Ibn Umar, where the messenger says, and that they establish the salah, and that they pay a zakah, that additional wording, Abu Bakr wasn't acquainted with it. He wasn't aware of it. However, so he was aware of another narration. Similar to this, without the additional wording of establishment of the prayer and giving of a zakah. 
So Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he made firm resolve to fight against the people that had now begun to withhold as zakah. Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he then debated the Khalifa concerning this. And he said to him, yani as, as occurs in Sahih Muslim, hadith number 20, that Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he says, كَيْفَ تُقَاتِلَ النَّاسِ وَقَدْ قَالَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أُقَاتِلَ النَّاسِ حَتَّى يَقُولُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ How are you going to fight the people? Umar says to Abu Bakr How are you going to fight the people? When the Messenger said I have been ordered to fight the people until they testify that no God has a right of being worshipped Except Allah. فَمَنْ قَالَ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ فَقَدْ عَصَمَ مِنِّي مَا لَهُ وَنَفْسَهُ إِلَّا بِحَقِّهِ And so whoever says, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ Then he has a, a, a guarantee of protection from me concerning his wealth and his self except by its right, meaning except by the right of Islam. وَحِسَابُهُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى And his accounting is with Allah Ta'ala. So what is the, what is the difference? in wording between this particular narration that Abu Bakr uh, Umar anhu narrated to Abu Bakr and the one that Umar son narrates this eighth hadith in the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawi what's the difference between Ibn Umar's wording and Umar's wording what's the difference between the narration that Ibn Umar had and the one that Umar had put your hand up if you know in the hadith of Ibn Umar, there is an additional explicit mentioning of a salah or zakah. Okay, there's an explicit explicit mentioning of a salah and zakah. So khalas, if the one the one who knows this particular wording that Ibn Umar relates, then he knows that, the, that it's a command to fight the people until they testify alongside, until they pray and until they give the zakah. The one who doesn't have this narration he may assume that you're not meant to fight the people if they don't give a zakah. Again, this fighting is at the hands of the Muslim ruler. The fighting that occurs as a result of a Muslim ruler fighting against another nation because of them not testifying to La ilaha illallah, this occurs as a result of them uh, physically preventing them from preaching to la ilaha illallah. So a Muslim country, he sends, or they, the Muslim country sends delegates and preachers in order to preach to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then a people oppose them and they physically prevent them and they fight against them from preaching to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then that Muslim ruler, he, he is within due right to fight against those, that hostile nation, because of them, because of them fighting against him and his nation for preaching, like any other head of state does. And likewise, it's within his discretion to have a peace uh, treaty with that, with that uh, hostile nation. So in a similar fashion, those that prevented az-zakah, that is under the authority of the Muslim ruler. It is not for common citizens to go about uh, uh, fighting a people just because they prevent the zakah, it isn't for the common citizen to go about fighting the people. Why? Because that would bring about 
chaos upon the earth. If people started to take the law into their own hands, then that would bring about chaos upon the earth. Therefore, this tanfidh, uh, this execution of this shukum, the execution of this command of fighting the people when they do not pay a zakah, then this is something that is in the hands of the Muslim ruler. And it isn't for common citizens to become yani, vigilantes going about trying to implement the law uh, 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 by, at their own hands. So now, so going back, Umar ta'ala an, he says to Abu Bakr that how can you fight the people? When the messenger said, I've been ordered to fight the people until they testify that la ilaha illallah. How can you fight the people when the messenger says this? Because Umar did not have the additional wording. But then, Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, when he responded to Umar, then Umar ta'ala anhu realized the fiqh. He realized the understanding that Abu Bakr possessed. فَقَالَ أَبُو بَكَرْ وَاللَّهِ لَا أُقَاتِلَنَّ مَنْ فَرَّقَ بَيْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَالزَّكَاةِ He said, by Allah, I shall fight those who try to separate between as-salah wa-zakah, between salah and as-zakah. When Abu Bakr says this, then this indicates that it was understood that as-salah is something that is meant to be fought in regards to, يعني, if a people abandon the salah, then that is something that is meant to be, uh, then that is something that a, a people are meant to be fought against if they abandon it. Why? Because he made qiyas upon as-salah. He made qiyas upon as-salah. He made an analogical deduction based upon as-salah. So then he says, Because as-zakah is the right of the wealth. The Messenger says in this particular hadith that Umar has, I've been ordered to fight the people until they testify that no God has the right of being worshipped except Allah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah and that they establish the prayer and that they get, uh, rather in this narration, there is no mentioning of the establishment of the prayer. There is no mentioning of the giving of a zakah, but there is what? Illa bihaqqihi, except by the right of Islam. Yani it is, uh, 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 I can fight those that uh, 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 violate a right of Islam. Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu, he understood that giving, not giving a zakah is a violation of the right of Islam. Why? Because as-salah is haqq al-badan. As-salah, establishing the prayer, that is a right of the body. And as-zakah, that is a haqq of the wealth. Therefore, it is a right of Islam. Wallahi, لَوْ مَنَعُونِي عِقَالًا كَانُوا يُؤَدُّونَهُ يؤدو إِلَىٰ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ لَقَاتَلْتُهُمْ عَلَيْهِ عَلَىٰ مَنْعِهِ Abu Bakr, he said, By Allah, if it is the case that they withhold from giving an iqal, an iqal is a, a hobbling cord that is used to tie, for example, the legs of a camel. You tie the legs of a camel in order to slaughter it, for example. That's, the, that's an iqal, like a hobbling cord. So Abu Bakr, he says, By Allah, if they, if they withhold from giving me an iqal that they used to give to the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam, as zakah, then I will fight them on account of their, of their withholding that. فَقَالَ عُمَرَ بِنِ الْخَطَّابِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَنْهُ 
والله ما هو إلا أن رأيت الله عز وجل قد شرح صدر أبي بكر للقتال فعرفت أنه الحق عمر he said by Allah as soon as I saw that Allah had opened up the chest of Abu Bakr to fight then I realized that he is the one that was upon the truth in that regard يعني I realized that Abu Bakr he is the one that held the correct opinion in that regard so Abu Bakr even though the narration within which there is an additional mentioning of a salah and a zakah that narration, that narration there is sufficient the narration of Ibn Umar is sufficient to highlight the fact that a people are to be fought at the hands of a legitimate Muslim ruler when they prevent a zakah Abu Bakr didn't have that additional wording but he had a, an in-depth understanding and he realized a zakah is from the right of Islam just like, that, just like a salah is from the right of Islam a salah is haqq al-badan and a zakah is haqq al-mal the right of the wealth Abu Bakr because of his understanding was able to extrapolate that ruling from that uh, text that text within which there was no explicit mentioning of a salah and a zakah when Umar saw that from Abu Bakr then he realized that Abu Bakr was upon the truth now Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani in his explanation to Sahih al-Bukhari he says in his explanation that some people ended up uh, considering, it, considering it to be far-fetched for Ibn Umar عنه, to have narrated this hadith why? they say how can Ibn Umar some people had an incorrect opinion when they said how can Ibn Umar know this hadith allow his father Umar to debate the Khalifa Abu Bakr concerning the legitimacy of fighting a people when they withhold the zakah how can you allow them to engage in a debate when he has the extra information which would bring the argument to an end it would bring the argument to an, to an end in favor of Abu Bakr some people they said how is it possible that Ibn Umar knew this hadith yet he allowed Abu Bakr and Umar to debate on the matter even though he himself Ibn Umar he's got the answer the answer that will bring the debate to an end so Ibn, Ibn Hajar uh, he says concerning this or his answer concerning this was that well there are several potential answers to this from them is the fact that perhaps Ibn Umar was not present when the debate occurred between Umar and Abu Bakr doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that the son Ibn Umar was present when the debate was happening but let's just say he was present he was there when this debate took place that doesn't now mean that he huh, remembered the hadith it could have been the case that the debate is taking place and Ibn Umar at that particular moment in time 
لم يستحضر الحديث. He does not recall the hadith. It happens many a times. A person is asked a question, he knows the answer, but for that particular moment in time, he doesn't remember. A person is asked a certain ayah, and that moment, at that particular moment in time, he forgets it. It's a natural يعني, human trait. So it could be the case that at that, that at that particular moment in time, Ibn Umar anhuma, he did not recall uh, the hadith. And another fa'idah, ya ikhwan, that we can derive from this, from the fact that Ibn Umar anhuma, he had additional wording of this hadith, as opposed to the Khalifa Abu Bakr, as opposed to his own father, Umar ibn al-Khattab. This shows what? This highlights the fact that it is possible for the kibar akabir min al-Sahaba, for the older, greater, senior, major companions, to not to know something of knowledge, to not know something of a, uh, of a particular narration, and that someone from the individual Sahaba, someone from the younger Sahaba, is aware of it. From this narration, we can see a fa'idah. What's the fa'idah? That it's possible for a hadith to be unknown to a major great companion, while at the same time, perhaps a younger companion he knows of it. A companion whose virtue, who is, whose virtue isn't as high as the virtue of the greater companion, perhaps that younger companion, that less senior companion, perhaps he knows of that particular hadith. This therefore, what does this mean now? It means Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad, he says, he says, وَلِهَذَا لَا يُلْتَفَتْ إِلَى الْآرَاءِ وَلَوْ قَوِيَتْ مَعَ وُجُودِ سُنَّةٍ وُجُودِ سُنَّةٍ تُخَالِفُهَا He said, for that reason, we should not turn. No attention is to be paid to the opinions of men. No attention is to be paid to the opinions of men when a sunnah that contradicts those opinions is present. When it is the case that you have a sunnah and the understanding of the sunnah is clear, how the sunnah is meant to be understood, how that particular sunnah is meant to be understood, how it's meant to be interpreted is clear. How it is meant to be, how it is meant to be uh, uh, implemented and practiced and executed is clear. When a sunnah is clear, then regardless of how many opinions and how strong those opinions may seem, when a sunnah is clear and that sunnah goes against the opinions of men, regardless of who those men are and how great those men are, no attention is to be paid to those opinions. Why? Because as Imam Malik said, everybody yuskullun yusib wa yukhti ila sahib hadha al-qabr Everybody, you see, يعني is correct, can be correct, and can be mistaken, can err, except the one that is the inhabitant of this grave, and he pointed to the grave of the Messenger عليه الصلاة والسلام. And in the Salaf, they would say, إذا صح الحديث فهو مذهبي. If the Hadith is صحيح, then that's my مذهب, and so on and so forth. So the point being is that no attention is to be paid to the opinions of men. 
when it is clear that it goes against a sunnah, an established sunnah. طيب. So that is part number two. He didn't mention that. He didn't mention that. Why? Because Allah, Allah knows best, perhaps in that particular circumstance, it would have been if, if the person, even though he's not senior, but he knows of a debate that's occurring concerning such a grave matter, uh, even though he's senior, he, even though he's not senior, he's lesser in knowledge, lesser in age. He sees that a debate is occurring concerning an issue. He has a dalilun qati'. He has a definitive evidence on the particular matter. Perhaps, perhaps in that particular circumstance, the younger person, you know, he should, uh, uh, share the knowledge that he has with him. Uh, but what Sheikh Abdul Muhsin, or rather what Ibn Hajar he mentions, is the fact that perhaps Ibn Umar did not remember the hadith. Or perhaps he wasn't present at that particular time. So that is part number two. Part number three. An exception to fighting the people, an exception to fighting the people, is the Ahlul uh, Kitab, the people of the book. Who are the people of the book? Who, who from amongst the children can tell us what this term, Ahlul Kitab, the people of the book, is in reference to? The Jews and the the Christians. So the Jews and the Christians, they are Ahlul Kitab. So an exception, Shaykh Abdul Hassan al he says, so an exception to fighting the people are the Jews and the Christians. And that, and that is uh, from what has been mentioned in the Quran. That is from what has been mentioned in the Quran. And from that which has been mentioned in the Sunnah, those that are besides the Jews and Christians, meaning the disbelievers in general. There is an explicit mentioning of the Jews and the Christians in the Quran, an explicit mentioning of the, of the uh, disbelievers, yani umuman generally, in the Sunnah, if they pay the jizya, if they pay the the, the jizya, just like the just like the Muslims pay the what, a zakah, but the zakah that we pay is a ibadah, it's an act of worship, whereas what they pay is not an act of worship. And it's just like the Muslims would be fought against if they don't pay the zakah. As Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad, it's important to mention it now, as Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad he mentions, they will be fought against if they fight not to give it. The Khalifa, the leader, the head of state is demanding a zakah. A people they withhold from giving the zakah and they are fighting. They are fighting the leader, they are fighting the head of state, they are fighting the government because he's demanding a zakah from them. They are the ones that are fought against. As for those that don't fight for not paying the zakah, they just withhold but they don't fight, then the zakah is taken from them forcibly, just like huh, your taxes are taken from you forcibly. And the bailiffs come knocking on your door, for example. Not that I've ever had a bailiff knocking on my door, alhamdulillah. But just by way of example. So, if a people do not give us zakah, uh, uh, rather, if so, an exception to those that are fought against are the disbelievers when they pay al jizya. When they pay al jizya, and then Sheikh Abdul Mahsin Abad he says that the evidence concerning that is a long hadith found in Sahih Muslim, the hadith of Burayda ibn al Husayb, within which the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, when he would uh, 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 command a leader to, uh, you know, as a um, to to go uh, as a um, what do you call it? Jaish, yani an army, um, uh, huh? expedition, that's the word, expedition. 
So when the Messenger والسلام, would command a leader for an expedition that he would send out, then among the things that he would say is يعني, when, uh, concerning the disbelieving people within the narration. The narration isn't mentioned in its entirety here. But the, يعني, concerning the disbelieving people. The Messenger says concerning the disbelieving people when he meets them, then these are the procedures that you are meant to undertake. Among those procedures is that if they don't embrace Islam, then the jizya is taken from them. Just like we have been commanded to take the jizya, commanded to take the jizya from the Jews and the Christians in the Quran itself. In the Quran there's an explicit mentioning of the Jews and the Christians, and in the Sunnah, a general mentioning of the disbelievers. Again, that is meant to happen at the hands of the Muslim ruler, the Muslim ruler of a legitimate, recognized Muslim country, and so on and so forth. And the details of that we've discussed before. Tayyib, number four. Number four. Number four, it is sufficient to enter into Islam by saying the Shahada. If a person, he believes Allah only deserves to be worshipped. Muhammad is his messenger alayhi salatu wasalam. And he is, يعني, he uh, is firm in that regard. And all he has to do is pronounce that. As soon as he pronounces that, then he is considered as a Muslim. And that's the first wajib upon the human being. The first wajib upon the mukallaf, upon the human being that is burdened with uh, al-Islam is that he is to say the shahada. The human being is to say the shahada. This is what has been mentioned in the sunnah. The first pillar of Islam is shahada. Here in this hadith the messenger says, I've been ordered to fight the people until they testify la ilaha illallah. So the first obligation is what? Saying the shahada. Unlike what some of the philosophers, the Mu'tazila, the philosophers from the, from the Ummah of Islam claim, some of them say that the first thing that you need to do is analyze. That analysis will, bring, will, t- will, will lead you to having Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Huh? Or some of them say, you first have to have qast, you have to intend to analyze. Just philosophical nonsense. Because all of this philosophy was taken from Aristotle and Socrates and Plato. So obviously for us it's not going to make sense. But for a people that have, that have delved and dived and plunged and drowned in this nonsensical philosophy, then, then, they, then they'll make these type of statements. So the first thing that you need to do is have qast, intend to analyze. That qast will lead you to analysis, that analysis will lead you to having, having iman. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all of that nonsense is not, has got nothing to do with what has been mentioned in the sunnah, has got nothing to do with what the salaf were upon. Rather, the first obligation is to have, is to say the shahada, is to say the shahada, believing in it in your heart. That is point, that is part number four. Part number five. Al-Muqatala ala man izakati takunu liman imtana minha wa qatala alayha. Amma idha lam yuqatil, amma idha lam yuqatil, so this fifth part is what I mentioned earlier that the fighting the fighting again at the hands of the Muslim ruler the fighting that occurs against a people that withhold from giving a zakah only occurs against a people who withhold, who fight in order to withhold it they withhold the, they, they withhold the zakah because the head of state, the leader of the Muslims, is taking the zakah from them, 
then those people fight against the leader, the head of state, in order to not give him the zakah. That is the category of people that are fought against. As for those who don't fight, as for those who don't fight in order to uh, withhold the zakah, then the zakah is just taken from them forcibly. Number six, وَحِسَابُهُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ so in the end of the in the end of the narration, when the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam he says, وَحِسَابُهُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ and their accounting is with Allah. يعني people testify that none has the right of being worshipped except Allah. Testify that Muhammad is the, is a messenger of Allah. They establish a zakah, they establish a salah, and they give a zakah. Now their hisab, their accountability is with Allah subhanahu wa taala. In this world, as far as the Messenger is concerned. As far as the Muslims are concerned, then that group of people's wealth and their lives are to be safeguarded and protected. If that person is true in his shahada, if that person is true in his establishment of a salah and a zakah, then he's going to benefit from that. And if it's the case that his shahada, his testification to la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, is done nifaqan out of hypocrisy then obviously that type of person that type of person who is a hypocrite is going to be from the people that are in the lowest depths depths within the fire of hell however as far as we deal with him in this life then we deal with him as we deal with any other muslim because of the fact that he pronounces the shahada he establishes the salah and he establishes a zakah so that is part number six, partner, part number seven, which is the final part, which is a summary of the benefits concerning the hadith. So point number one, Al-Amr bil ila husul shahadati wa salati wa zakah. Point number one, that this hadith uh, indicates, and the f- benefit that we get from this hadith, is the command of fighting in o- uh, up until, the command of fighting up until the shahada is attained and a salah is established and a zakah is given. Obviously, obviously we explained that before. That this is in relation to those that are fighting you, as we have mentioned before from the ayah, as we know from the seerah of the Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, and that he had pacts with other people. This is in reference to a people who fight when you are, fight and hinder when you are propagating the deen of Islam, meaning when you the Muslim state, the Muslim leader is propagating the deen of Islam and then another nation, they fight and hinder you from doing so, then it is at your, uh, your discretion as to uh, whether you are going to fight with them, whether you are going to have a peace treaty with them and so on and so forth. And all countries in the world, this is how they operate. Number two. إطلاق الفعل على القول لقوله فإذا فعلوا ذلك ومما ذكر قبله so this is a linguistic benefit that Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad he um, gives, and that is that al-qawl, a statement in this narration, a statement, the statement being the shahada, a statement has been referred to as a fi'l, as an action. A statement has been referred to as an action. The statement being the shahada, and then the messenger said concerning the shahada, fa'idha fa'alu dhalika. If they do that. So the point being is that a qawl, a statement, can be referred to 
as a fi'l, as an action. Number three, ithbatul hisab ala la'amal yawm al-qiyama. Number three, the fact that actions will be taken to account for on yawm al-qiyama. Actions will be taken to account for on yawm al-qiyama. Number four, that whoever withholds from giving a zakah, whoever withholds from giving a zakah, then he is fought against until he gives it again. As Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Abad mentioned before, fought against if he's fighting in the first place. If he's not fighting, then it's just taken forcibly by the Muslim government. Number five, that whoever makes manifest Islam, whoever shows that he is a Muslim, then that's accepted from him. And as for what is inside of him, as for what he truly holds within his heart, and that is left to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Number six, that the two shahadas are mutalaziman. The two shahadas are mutalaziman. The shahada that la ilaha illallah and the shahada that Muhammad Rasulullah, both of them are mutalaziman. Both of them are inseparable. They are indispensable. But one of them necessitates the other. Without one, you can't have the other. Without the shahada la ilaha illallah, you can't have shahada and Muhammad Rasulullah. And the last one, the seventh point is the this hadith highlights the great station and significance of a salah and a zakah. Salah being the right of the body and zakah being the right of wealth. So um, that is the end of Shaykh Abdul Mahsin Abbad's explanation to hadith number eight. Inshallah ta'ala, next week we'll begin with hadith number nine. And uh, at that point we'll uh, conclude our lesson for today. Wallahu ta'ala a'lam wa sallallahu ma'ala nabiyyina Muhammad walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.